In-depth journalism in the Memphis community, The Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place. Shoot it! We deliver tickets, team merchandise, and everything you need for the game. But what you really get is so much more. FedEx delivery. Game day spirit. What we deliver by delivering. Welcome to the Daily Memphian Grizzlies podcast, where we're now mere days away from the start of NBA training camps. I'm Chris Harrington. I'm joined this week by colleagues Jeff Calkins and Don Wade. Um, we're getting ready for media day on Monday. The Grizzlies did make news this week. Um, we broke it here at the Daily Memphian um, that Andre Guadala and the Grizzlies reached a uh, mutual agreement to have a long-distance relationship, at least for a little while. What does everybody think about the Guadala situation? Well, I think it ended up well. I'll be interested because you're the person who broke it. Do you think it means that – I mean, let's be honest. The Grizzlies didn't want him here. He doesn't want to be here. The fact that he's agreed to stay away, is, I honestly think it's it suits the Grizzlies even more than it does for Andre Iguodala. I could make the argument that Andre Iguodala, if he wanted to force the Grizzlies to release him or something, could show up and be a pain in the neck, much in the way that Chandler Parsons right. did. So um, – but I'm, I'm, what I'm interested in is, do you really get the impression that he will happily sit out? The magic date might be December 15th, that he will happily sit out quietly without making people feel like the Grizzlies are, quote unquote, holding him hostage well into December? Yeah. I mean, happy may be too strong. I, I think content maybe is a better well, way quiet, to essentially. Yeah, that yeah. There's been no I mean, noises of discontent, that there's not going to be Shams tweeting no. about what a yeah, I, miserable... I think, I think Andre Iguodala is not interested in playing basketball right now anyway. I think Andre Iguodala is interested in A, making his full $17 million, and B, doing it on a team that is competing for a title. Those are the two things he's interested in. And both of those things are still very much on the table. He is still under his full contract. And I don't know whether assurance is the right word, but there's an understanding that the Grizzlies are going to trade him and no one's trading for Andre Iguodala unless they think they're competing for a title. Now, it's true that this is not the best-case scenario for Iguodala. The best-case scenario for him is like, wave me at full value and I'll go sign wherever I want to pl- – where, right. wherever he, I want. He gets to pick, right. But he, even if he goes to sign somewhere else, he don't want to be playing – he don't want to be playing in November anyway. He's 35 years old. <laughs> He's got a history of coasting through the regular season and coming up big in the postseason – the teams that wanted Andre Iguodala probably don't care that much if he's playing for them. They want fresh legs, Andre right. Iguodala, in April. And so I do not think you'll you'll hear squawking from Iguodala unless, like, you know. Well, then why, did, why did we hear the squawking before from Shams? Why, through through Shams, for obviously from Iguodala. Well, I think camp. there was posturing on both sides. And I, right. I think the thing about the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies want him to report to training camp. I think that was posturing, right? right? And so – I think both both sides were posturing around each other. I think Iguodala probably had some sense of, like, you didn't trade for me. You got a first-round pick to absorb my contract. You got what you wanted out of this, so just let me go and let me move on. And I honestly, this won't be popular among people in Memphis. I don't think that's a crazy notion for him to have had, personally. Right. The Grizzlies have been paid. The Grizzlies this is the Grizzlies have won this no matter what happens going forward. They got a first round pick. They they paid seventeen million dollars for a first round pick. Whatever happens from here on is gravy, as far as I'm concerned. What do you think, Don? Well, this path is not without risk for Iguodala, nor is it without risk for whatever team eventually gets him. 
because while I understand fresh legs in April, there's such a thing as rust, and and that's more real the older you get. The Cubs made a late signing of Craig Kimbrell to be their closer, and he was horrible. The Cardinals did the same thing with Greg Holland last year, and he was horrible. I would argue that it's even riskier in some ways in the NBA where you've got to be in better shape, you know? I So I just – that you're just going to kind of show up in March and then be ready for – playoff basketball i'd be a little uncomfortable with that if i'm the clippers or whoever end up i think getting it's show up in december is and i think you can probably yeah, play late, your way late december i think i'm obviously he needs he needs to stay in shape um but the nba is like like i don't do they have load management in baseball i don't know like in the nba there's sort of a growing understanding that 82 games is not good for your body and so you know, Andre Iguodala is someone who averaged like five points a game last season and then scored 20 in game six of the NBA right. Finals. It's um, an interesting question. It's one of the questions bouncing around. We saw how Kawhi Leonard was handled just generally beyond the Andre Iguodala thing. Um, the ringer was asking today, is 60 games going to be the norm for good NBA players? Like, is that going to become a thing? And if so, what does that do to the regular season? I mean, you can make an argument that that might be the wisest thing to do. We saw what well, th- this is why they've changed the schedule to reduce back-to-backs, to reduce travel, to reduce three games in four nights, because financially speaking, they do not want to reduce games, right? right. If you talk to people on the business side of the NBA, they're not crazy about reducing the schedule because they want right. all the games. right? Um, and so trying to keep all the games while, while not wearing down your players is this fine line that I think the NBA is trying to thread. And I think to Don's point, for someone like Iguodala, the not wear down but still stay in shape is a fine line. Like, what's, right. the, what's the balance? What's the right balance there? Right. And so I don't think the balance is him set out all season and then show up in April. But I don't think playing 25, 30 minutes a night in October or November does anything. For if it goes back go to the uh, – the first Grizzlies playoff team that won 50 games under Hubie Brown. To me, that was the the poster team, if you will, for go out and play like your hair's on fire every night and take games that other teams aren't willing to play hard enough to get. And it's why they were so irrelevant once the playoffs started because the whole equation changed. Now it's harder to do that. It's also the 10-man rotation, though. No one played more than, I think, the highest minutes per game on that team was like 28, 29 Yeah, the the Hubie 10-man, right? Yeah. And that let you sort of do that because um, you didn't have that in terms of load management. You weren't, no one was carrying a heavy load, even if someone was playing 80 games on that team. Do you think they will ultimately get a first for him? Uh, maybe. I, I think, I think the Grizzlies see this as a good leverage situation for them because there are so many suitors. This is not an NBA season and where everyone is just waiting for Golden State to win a title or Miami to win a title. No one, no one knows. No one has any idea who's winning a title. So I think they see a situation where there are eight or nine teams who will at least by mid-December still think that they can win an NBA title. People will see Andre Iguodala as a proven championship level player in the postseason who crucially is set up to guard LeBron James, to guard Kawhi Leonard, to guard Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like, who do you want guarding those players? Like, Iguodala at 35 is still on the short list in a playoff series. And so I think the Grizzlies think there are enough different suitors that competing with each other that they will yield maximum value out of that. Having gone through all the teams myself, I still think it's hard to get a deal done um, at his salary level. 
but you only have to do one deal. You don't have to right. come up with three or four. You have to do one. They, so I think there's a decent chance they get a first rounder out of this, but I don't think it's certainty. They all. aren't the only small market team in pro sports that's digging in. The Jacksonville Jaguars are digging in right now. They don't want to trade a shutdown corner, uh, you know, for a back end first round pick. They're, you know, if they're going right. to deal him to a true contender, then they want two picks and maybe something more so i mean there's they're not the only team that's digging in here well i think the one thing we've learned about this new grizzlies front office is that they are extremely thorough about maximizing the potential of every little transaction and every little opportunity that comes there and given the the realities in the small market nba i think that's right critical and so um yeah i honestly to me this worked out as the best the, the idea that that there isn't going to be this constant drumbeat of Grizzlies holding Andrea Guadalla hostage. Right. If you take that away, this is perfect for the Grizzlies. They get to wait, see what kind of market develops, and uh, and no one has to worry about him uh, uh, being a distraction on media day. And there won't be a circus. Like I said, there won't be a circus on media day. So we know Andrea Guadalla will not be, be there on media day. I did a piece um, today, um, Wednesday, depending on when you're listening to this, where well, I looked at 10 questions ahead of media day and training camp, um, but I'll throw it out to you guys. What are some things you guys are interested in when we show up at FedEx Forum on Monday? Well, Chandler's health. Oh, I don't have to worry about yeah, Chandler no, Parsons' no, no, Chandler. health. I don't have to worry about Chandler's health. No, I think the greatest thing about the media day is that it's, I mean, every table, people don't know, they come. players come wandering in and they sit at these tables and the, there's a cluster of reporters around them and and it's here's Mark again. And I love Mark, but here's Mark again. And here's Mike again. And here's, and now it's literally every table. Like uh, I'm, I'm interested in hearing what Taylor Jenkins has to say. I'm interested in hearing what John Moran has to say. I'm interested in hearing John Jazz has to say. I'm interested. I mean, right down the line, it's um, it's, it really does feel all new and whichever plumly the Grizzlies, whichever plumly it is, the, the Grizzlies have. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, well, and th- there are still health questions, by the way, as you pointed out in your piece right. today about um, Kyle and Dylan. Um, wh- where do you think we are on that? By the way, my, my understanding is that the Grizzlies have been cagey about this. Uh, my understanding is they're probably going to put out some kind of injury thing um, before Monday um, with Dylan. I mean, the in, the injury he had was so comparatively minor and was so long ago. Like, I just would be surprised if he's not ready to go. With Kyle Anderson, he had major so- shoulder surgery at the very end of the regular season. I would be surprised if he is ready to go. But I did hear from someone outside the Grizzlies that he has been shooting and he has been working this summer with a shooting coach. And given that it is a shoulder injury, the fact that he is shooting the ball, you know, is a good sign. It's not, you right. know, if you got some leg injury, you're shooting the ball, like who cares, right? right? But with the, the shoulder injury, that is a sign that of, of some progress. Right. And so I take that as a good sign. But if the Grizzlies announce, like, that he's a full participant in the first day of training camp, I will be surprised if that's in, the In case. terms of, but just to answer the question, back to answer the question, in terms of news, I mean, like, where's Josh Jackson going to be? Is he going to be there? Is he going to, like, do they have plans for him? Whatever. I don't think that I... I expect answers to be answered on the court ultimately and, and not, not nothing particular from media day in terms of media day. I think the most interesting thing will be talking to Taylor Jenkins practically about what he plans to do. Um, And I suppose we'll talk to Zach Kleiman as well at that point. We haven't really had much of Zach Kleiman. um, And so those are, uh, those are uh, people who I'll be looking forward to talking to. 
We're going to take a break now for a word from our sponsor. The Daily Memphian and Grizzlies podcast is brought to you by FedEx. Possibilities, what we deliver by delivering. Um, Don, what are you interested in on Media Day? Well, in the past, it was always, you know, hearing from Mike and Mark, Zach and Tony, and what they thought was possible in terms of a playoff run. And sometimes they would say things that would maybe stretch the imagination, but you could kind of get there. And then other times they'd say things and you're thinking, eh, you're really hoping to be the eighth seed in the West. This time, you know, given that, you know, Vegas has the Grizzlies projected at 26.5 wins, what are the young guys going to say? Are they going to go – you know, all in and say, hey, we think we can be a winning team. We think we can compete for a playoff spot. Or are they going to temper what they say, realizing that, you know, this is a collection of question marks. Even for the most talented guys, this is a collection of question marks. I don't think there's going to be a lot of pretense from, like, front office and coaching and veteran players. But it's an interesting point about young players. These young players don't think like that. No, they They don't. don't think, well, you know, we'll be a 25-win team, but – and so I don't know how they'll re- react as far as that goes. Were you surprised by the the Vegas number, the 26.5? No, I, I mean, first of all, I mean, they're really good at the lines, okay? Uh, and I think it's about right. The interesting part of it to me was that was the lowest line for any team in the West, and there was a pretty big gap from the Grizzlies to Phoenix at 29.5 and Oklahoma City at 31.5. There were a couple of teams in the East that they had Charlotte at 23.5, Cleveland at 24.5, the Knicks are 26.5. So that's, you know, if you're known by the company you keep, that's not great company. I I find it to be a relief in a certain way. Like we don't, there's nothing, honestly, I don't think people are obsessed with the draft pick because there's this perception that they have to, to, pieces in in place and if the end they don't convey it this year they'll get another player this year i think it's arguable which is better to convey the pick to boston this year or next so there's not this huge draft pick discussion and there's certainly not the can we squeak into the eighth seed uh, playoff discussion it's it's i don't even really care what the young players say about it because i know they're not going to be in the play i'll be interested to see how they wear down over the course of the season as the reality hits them how does john morant wear down or what happens but i think it's kind of like this stage of a franchise can be really fun. Um, and I'm looking forward to that, not having to think, are, is this a playoff team? Being, embrace the kids, embrace the future, and sort of have the, the burden of expectations relieved from you. I don't, I mean, that number to me is not surprising at all. And I'm not sure I would go over on it. Um, I'll make that decision, you know, before the start of the regular season. But I mean, the Grizzlies are in a they are fully into a rebuild. And the only other team in the West, maybe you could say that about is the Thunder, but like they, that just happened to them like almost unexpectedly this summer and they haven't gotten all the way there yet. Like they still have Chris Paul. They'll probably try to trade later this season. They'll probably still have Danilo Gallinari. They'll probably try to flip later this season. Phoenix has been bad and may keep being bad, but they don't want to be bad. No, they've stocked up with veterans this. Right. right they've right. said, let's, t- it's time. Right. It's time. So the Grizzlies, in terms of that, that normal up and down arc, the Grizzlies are the only team in the West that is consciously at the bot, the very bottom ebb of that arc. And so, I mean, I think they should be projected to be last in the West. The, the interesting part to me was I looked back and there have been three Grizzlies teams since they've been in Memphis that only won 22 games. Two years ago when Conley only played 12 games. And then the 2006-2007 team in which Pau Gasol and Mike Miller were your top scorers and you had a whole lot of Chucky Atkins. The and, Chucky Atkins offense. Yeah, right. and the 2007 – Dribble up and shoot. 
2018, Conley's rookie year, when he averaged 9.4 points, and Rudy Gay was your top scorer. You had Darko, Hakeem Warwick, Navarro, Miller was still there, et cetera. The point being that if you look at this current roster, there is nobody who has ever who has a career scoring average who's expected to play that's over 15.6 points, and that's Valanchunas. Right. And look, every NBA team is going to score 80-some points a night no matter what, and somebody has to score. So what that means is – Whatever Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant end up with as their scoring averages, those are actually going to be artificially inflated because garbage time is going to start a lot of nights with seven and a half minutes left in the third quarter because you're going to be down 24 and you're playing a good team and they're going to start rolling out player nine, player 10, player 11. So it makes it a little bit tricky when, you know, because it's all about evaluation, the evaluating the young guys and how they develop, you're only going to get about half a game a little bit more a lot of nights when it's a true competition and then it's going to change and the points and the assists and all that you get from the middle of the third quarter on are going to be not terribly relevant sort of like Marshawn Brooks scoring right and so you kind of have to separate here's what they're doing when the game is still competitive and here's what's happening when garbage time has started yeah I mean I think organizationally your evaluation has to be more sophisticated than their stats and part of that is taking into account you know it's more of an eye test thing because you're you're literally watching them every night you watch them in practice every day and, and, and that has to sort of be part of it but to your point I think as outsiders as media people we have to we have to be contextual in like how we evaluate the team and how we cover the team. To me, what's interesting going back to where they are on the trajectory of their rebuild is the nice thing is that you are here at this stage of the full rebuild with the pieces in, or, or at least a perceived two of the pieces maybe in place. You sure hope so. You sure hope so. You never have had a season like Atlanta has had recently, where you went in saying, we are going to stink this year. It, normally, that's part of the arc. You have to have right. one of those. Um, and it's those are kind of depressing seasons. Before you even have a relevant young player, we're just going to stink in order. To, they did stink right. in order to get these young players. But they actually skipped that part of it. And now they're into the, let's build around these two promising young players. They're never having to do a Dolphins type of year this year. They never had to do that. They never had to do what, yeah, what, what Atlanta did when they just disgorged all their players and said, let's stink. And so I think in some ways they've been – absolutely both smart and lucky that they are able to accelerate at least through a year of the rebuild. Um, one last thing on media day, and we'll get to another topic before we get out of here. You mentioned in passing a few minutes ago, Zach Kleiman. I don't know if I mentioned um, Zach Kleiman, the Grizzlies lead executive in my 10 questions, but that is a question. Are we going to get Zach Kleiman at media day? You know, you would hope so. Right. I, I, I will say that, and I'm, you know, they, I, I've and been, if we do, who else? Are we getting anyone else? Are, been, are we getting well, Tayshawn Prince or Rich Cho right. or like who was last year, last two or three years? I think Chris Wallace as the lead executive and John Hollinger as sort of the, your number two executive both stood at a table and took questions at media day, right? Well, to me, and I, you know, this is maybe it's inside baseball to people. I, I, I have always felt like at the end of the Chris Wallace era, one of their weaknesses as an as an organization was. Chris didn't have, we understood he didn't have the authority or the credibility any longer to speak for the organization, and he wasn't really allowed to. And I thought that was because they no longer trusted Chris, and obviously Robert Perry doesn't speak for the organization because he never speaks, and so who was speaking for the organization? And so one of the happy sources of relief to me when they 
changed out Chris Wallace was, oh, now we'll have now we'll have uh, a general manager who can because Perra's not going to do it, right. who can speak for the organization. And the truth of the matter is, is that they just have decided that no one needs to speak for the organization and <laughs> the actions speak for themselves. And if they do speak for them, and in the end, that's largely true. Like in the end, who? but it is sort of disappointing to me that they don't really believe there is any obligation to um, accept through their own own house media to interact with the community. And I, you know, and so Zach Kleiman has been basically unavailable, which right. is, um, I, I don't know. Like it, it, to me, it's been a little surprising and a little disappointing in a, in a community like this, but he I is in charge we'll though. I mean, we, we, char- we, we, we have, that's got, what matters. We have gotten rid of that. Who's really making the oh, decisions. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's Jason Wexler and Zach Lyman. They are running the basketball. I'd much team. rather have a smart front office that is non-communicative than a, <laughs> than, than a, uh, than a, uh, ridiculous front office that is chatty as can be. So there's, but I, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Um, uh, first media, you, something you want to jump yeah, in Yeah, I was that? just going to say, I, I think it would be fascinating to be a fly on the wall over at the Grizzlies offices and hear how they talk about what they are going to do, who is going to go talk at media day, et cetera, and to what extent they even think about how it plays against everything that's going on with Tigers basketball and Penny Hardaway. Because you can't really compete with Penny Hardaway, okay? You've, <laughs> he, he's one, right? You're not going to compete with that. What you can do is show that you've got these – two young players you think are going to be incandescent stars and John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. and make them the focal point. And on media day, I think they'll probably do that and say it's kind of Taylor's time and let us hear from him. I would be actually surprised if we get Zach or anybody else. I I think we'll get someone from management front office speaking, but I agree with you that they're going to try to put the focus on Taylor Jenkins is the spokesperson for the team and these young players that, that you care about. Yeah. Um, I, I think that is probably accurate. Um, one last thing before we get out of here. We, we've talked about this first meet today in forever without any of those old core four. Uh, it's, you know, it's also for people in the original organization, the first season they, to plan ahead of time without any of those guys in more than a decade. The promotion schedule came out. Um, they are going to, it looks like, acknowledge the return of Mike Gasol and Mike Conley in their giveaways. Beyond that, they had to fish around for new stuff to promote. Did you guys have any particular um, reactions to the promotional schedule? I, I, you know, I kind of like the, uh, well, I mean, the scarf is always the best, highest quality item they give away. And this time it's a throwback scarf. And so I like that. Um, uh, yeah, that, that, that's great. Uh, they're giving away the socks. The one day when they're giving away uh, Jaron's sock and a Joss sock. And uh, I'll be interested in that. I, I think the I I might actually use the Jonas Valanciunas oven mitts. I like oven mitts, and um, I, I, they they got to be good quality. You get a dangerous situation <laughs> and get a good quality. That oven. is true, right? That is they so better true. Be good quality. I mean, I, I think that's given true. given that all the people running the Grizzlies are lawyers, I would I would hope that that is fully accounted for. Yeah, no, point. you're exactly right. But but I if they're good quality oven mitts, like I will use my Jonas Valanciunas oven mitts. I think Jonas Valanciunas likes big hunks of meat. I right, learned exactly. so. I want to take like you know a big hunk of meat out meat out of the oven with my Jonas Valanciunas mitts. Absolutely. Yeah. I like I still feel one. like I, I missed an opportunity on James Johnson neck tattoo night. I'm still broken up about that. And, yeah, and th- those were when, when I went to the, the garage sale they had this summer, you, you could find like you could find as many Chandler Parsons yoga mats as you wanted. <laughs> you wouldn't find any James Johnson neck tattoos. Well, those they were were used, weren't they? Like what's that? The, you applied to them and then they were gone. Yeah, but I'm I'm saying there were none left over that right. weren't given away. Yes. Whereas right. there were 
thousands of oh, Chandler oh, Parsons Gilgamesh. official. Oh, yeah, Grizzlies see. garage sale. That's yes. hilarious. We were in Asheville on, on vacation there this year, thousands. and we were kind of near a park, and there was a guy wearing a Chandler Parsons jersey, and it's like, okay, that's where it's at now. This guy may be homeless, <laughs> and you know he picked this up for two bucks, right? right. Um, anyone have any um, quarrel with Mike Conley and Marcus Hall giveaways? No. No, not at all. No, I, I, I agree. We're all in agreement. So um, the Grizzlies will meet the media on Monday at FedEx Forum. The three of us will be there, and then training camp will start the next day, and coverage will will, will be ongoing. Um, if you want a little prep for that beyond this podcast, you can read my 10 questions ahead of a Grizzlies media day and training camp, which is up on the site now. Um, for Jeff and Don, I'm Chris Harrington. This has been the Daily Miffian Grizzlies podcast. Thanks to the OAM Network and Gilworth. Thanks to Natalie Van Gundy, as always, um, on the dials over here. Um, subscribe to the site at DailyMiffian.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at, at DailyMiffian. You can subscribe to this podcast and all of the rest of our audio uh, wherever you get your pods, including iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. We deliver jerseys, funny foam fingers, and everything you need for the game. But what you really get is so much more. FedEx delivery. Game day spirit. What we deliver by delivering. In-depth journalism in the Memphis community, The Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place.